0: This week on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, it's RoboCop versus RoboCop. So in 1987, this brilliant film comes out called RoboCop, and it's had a bit of a resurgence in the last couple of months. I, I, th- I think because RoboCop appears in Mortal Kombat 10, be that as it may, it's, it's something people are rediscovering. This film was remade in 2014 with questionable results. In the last decade or two, we've gotten into this habit of rebooting and remaking things and treating them seriously, as if they happen in the real world. And sometimes that works. If you look at what we've done with Batman or some of the Marvel movies, yeah, sure, go. RoboCop, not so much. We're going to be discussing that and a bit of the sequels of RoboCop and the milieu of RoboCop and whether or not RoboCop should be taken seriously and other things on today's show. Let's jump into it, hey? And we're back. Yo, hello, friends. Both we, of you. Uh, we <laughs> took a week <laughs> off there. Brian, Chris.
1: Hello, Eric. Hi, I'm Brian. Uh, Hi, Brian. Who we- and, and and Chris? I'm yeah over here. Hello,
2: that's Eric.
0: And I'm Eric. Yeah.
2: Did we establish that? One more time. This is Chris. Poorly, we do yes, this every time, it. and I think people know who we are.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, it, we, every podcast is the first one that anybody's listening to. Yeah, and the <laughs> last because right? we're the, the last. gateway drug to the rest Even of with the magnificent, all of our huge podcast on
0: exclamation <laughs> point and the MTVs.
1: Yes. Yes, especially the MTV appearances. Whatever. Uh.
2: Whatever you say. They.
1: Yeah, they were in between the videos. Yeah. So you'll never see that again.
3: Yeah.
0: (laughs) And we're back. Yeah. Hello, friends. Hi.
2: Yeah. It was a little (laughs) week off, sort of, (sighs) kind of. Yeah. But I would never... Brutal week. No. Well, yeah, it's been a brutal, uh, well, let's just say decade. How's that? Does that sum it up?
1: Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, we're packing in the Nixon impeachment, the Spanish flu, the the great depression the civil rights um, movement and the civil rights movement into six months so far mm. yeah i'm hoping seven months makes
2: it the 74 nixon resignation that'd be that'd be the topper No, oh, that's not gonna happen <laughs> yeah, i know this is but a boy this can is, dream yeah this
0: is this is gonna be much much worse
2: yeah so <laughs> uh yeah in right. fact,
0: this will be played at our trials. <laughs>
2: <laughs> for being fabulous. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the only trial we'll go undergo. Yeah. I, I don't know how to follow that with anything other than the fresh shit.
3: This shit is fresh. Oh, shit. It's fresh. This stuff is really fresh.
1: I'll go first
2: because uh, really, all I watched this week was a bunch of Robocop stuff for this show. uh so thank you for that eric and it's (laughs) yeah it's
0: not a bad thing you sure
3: can't (laughs) complain
2: well except i'm the kid in class that does all of the ancillary readings as well yeah you
1: probably did like the animated series and the tv show and i didn't yeah yeah
2: i dabbled but uh i finally watched robocop 3 all the way through for the first time ever so that's Yeah, isn't that a joy? Yeah, so we can get to that later. But uh, apart from that, really the only newish thing, well, it's not new, but it's new to me, was I started watching the show Get Shorty with Chris O'Dowd. Have you seen this? Okay. Uh it, no. it's on Netflix and it's it's like they did with Fargo. They took the existing property that everybody knows because it was an Elmore Leonard book and then they made it a John Travolta movie back in the nineties. This is like a, it borrows the title and takes certain elements of it, but it's more inspired by, so it's like what they did with Fargo. So it's just the title's there, and they kind of have the same sort of thing, where Chris O'Dowd plays uh, like a low-level thug in a low-level mob cartel thing in Nevada, who ends up funneling $2 million into a costume Georgian period piece in LA and then gets hooked up with Ray Romano who's the like the failing producer uh and then they wind up like bulldozing their way into the support of a studio to get like a 30 million dollar budget but the whole thing was set up by Chris O'Dowd's character as a way to launder like two million dollars for his cartel boss Uh, (laughs) and and it's it's funny uh, it's way more in spirit to the book than the Travolta movie was, I will tell you that. Uh, it's way more uh, of a dramedy almost, but it's still really funny, but really darkly funny. Uh, and it's interesting to watch Chris O'Dowd play a tough guy, which is fun.
1: Um, All right, remind <laughs> me who Chris O'Dowd... Who, what, what else was Chris O'Dowd in? He's, he was came to
2: prominence in the IT crowd. Uh. Oh, okay. he was in
0: *Bridesmaids*, the Irish cop. Yeah, got it. Uh, okay,
2: now I know who we're talking about. And a bunch of other stuff. He also did a really cool show that only lasted one season, sadly, uh, a few years back on HBO called *Family Tree*. Uh, that is hilarious. If you can find that, I would recommend that too. But I kept seeing *Get Shorty* pop up. As I scroll through and I never pulled the trigger, I'm like, yeah, whatever. So finally, <laughs> because of uh, quarantine boredom, I'm like, yeah, fuck, what have I got to lose? And uh, I got hooked. I'm about three or four episodes in and it's uh, it's amusing. They've updated all of the shtick that they did in the movie about the film biz and how just ridiculous it is.
1: Uh, so now they're trying to make... Netflix series? Or? No, no,
2: it's still, he's making no. a movie, but basically oh, yeah. he just bulldozed in and said, yeah, why, why not make a movie? Because one of his jobs led him to L.A., and then he uh, ended up meeting this producer, played by Ray Romano, who does like schlocky movies where his whole thing is, oh, we'll just, we'll sell it overseas, and that's how we make all our money back. And uh, <laughs> And then it kind of rolls from there. So then... Uh, (laughs) they not gave much away, this is in the first uh, episode, but basically the guy they go to LA to collect from is a screenwriter who wrote this amazing script, apparently uh, and that intrigues Chris O'Dowd's character, and then at some point the screenwriter winds up dead. So Chris O'Dowd takes the script and then concocts this plan that they can use the movie to launder the money. But really, he just wants to make a movie and get into the film biz. And so he puts <laughs> the his buddy's name as the screenwriter. Uh, and so he's embroiled in this now. So things just sort of go from there. But if you've seen Get Shorty, you kind of understand where it's going. It's really funny. That's a good fuck you to the film biz. Uh, and I have no idea how many seasons it is. Uh, but I'm in for the ride now. So if you find it on Netflix, do yourself a favor. Watch and yeah, get check Shorty. Yeah. All right. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, nothing. That's it. Zip, zilch, zero. How about
0: you, Brian?
1: Well, I got a couple things. Uh so yeah, quarantine, not a whole lot of new content out there that's worth mentioning. Nope. Uh so I I've been digging into content uh stuff that I maybe didn't see in the theaters and maybe I, now I understand why, <laughs> which is shocking um, for you cuz you went to see everything. Uh, so, you know what I didn't see uh was Margot Robbie in Terminal. Okay. Um terminal is uh, uh, is that the thing where
0: she's trapped in the airport and has to live there with Tom Hanks
2: (laughs) (laughs) no it's literally it's an art film it's like a Warhol thing where it's 15 hours of Margot Robbie staring at a computer terminal that was my understanding
1: I mean, that would be better than this. <laughs> um, this, is, this is produced by Margot Robbie, and it was shot in, oh, I want to say Prague, but I think I'm probably wrong, but somewhere, you know, in ex-Soviet block. And it's, you know, when you look at the trailer, it looks really stylish and uh, very colorful. It, it, it The shots in the trailer look kind of like that, that LED-colored po- Detective Pikachu look. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's got Margot Robbie and yeah. Simon Pegg and Mike Myers is in this thing. Wow. And it's a noir. And and so the trailer makes it look good. And then the movie sucks. Noir. <laughs> noir.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 yes.
2: Noir. <laughs> 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 yeah. At least you didn't call it n- yeah. n- n- noir.
1: N- I don't know n- how you get this cast into this movie. Like, the script is the problem. The script is crap. The director is the guy who wrote it. Every shot is, like, brightly colored and lit all weird. And also there's, like, no other humans in it other than the names I just listed. Uh, Yet it's set in a, uh, you know, in, like, a train station, uh, which apparently never has trains or passengers. Sounds to me like somebody just wanted a free trip to Prague. Uh, maybe. I mean, Margot Robbie produced this thing, so I have to assume somehow it's her clout that got this, this all together. And it, it just all of the twists and secrets are super predictable and obvious. And she does a thing where she's got the Harley Quinn grin and... This movie was made after Suicide Squad, so it had to be done knowingly, but it's, it's really distracting to watch Harley Quinn materialize in this movie out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe she yeah, just
2: sucks. Maybe she's just flexing her producing muscle a little bit, because didn't she do I, as well, right?
0: Did they shoot any of um, that, 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 that Harley Quinn movie in Prague? Maybe this was like no. a downtime project.
1: I don't know. I mean, it seems very much like she's trying to do her big star turn as this femme fatale, and it is a dud. It, and about <laughs> halfway through, I looked it up on, on uh, you know, Wikipedia, whatever, and the Rotten Tomatoes score for this was 21%, which tells me why I probably didn't go see it in the theater. So don't see it. It's not worth your time. Uh. Terminal sucks. Okay. I will, um, I will put that on the blacklist. Thank you. And then the uh the other movie I saw that I had never seen before, so you know we're we're digging deep here. um I finally, after all this time, bothered to watch Team America World Police. <laughs> you Good haven't seen you. that before? <laughs> never Good for you. Wow. I about wet myself when
2: I saw that in the theater. It just floored me. Cause it's it's kind of like the RoboCop thing. Is they took every just shitty '80s action trope and just turned it
1: sideways <laughs> to a giant F. Yeah. Uh, uh. So I mean, it, when we get to talking about the you know the RoboCop stuff, but Team America is going to rear its head again because there's definitely some some uh, parallels. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, particularly Team America, the fallatio. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's, did that's you That's what I was thinking did, about, Eric.
2: Did you get the cut with the uh the Shisa Porn? Like the the puppet uh, that craps? No, I
1: got I just watched it on HBO <laughs> Max. Okay.
2: Darn it. I think that's the director's cut unrated or something. Uh so but, but did you like I it? I mean,
1: the best part of it is the music by by a lot. Yeah. You know, they've got they've got this great song about how um Pearl Harbor sucked. And Michael Bay can't <laughs> direct that. Now, and ben <laughs> <laughs> sucks. now yeah.
3: you've gone away. And all I'm trying to say is Prabhupada sucked and I miss you. <laughs> Need you like Ben Affleck needs acting?
2: I think my favorite like my favorite song in the whole movie though was the is the country dirge.
1: Freedom is in free. Now there's a can to confess. And if you
0: don't
2: grow in your bucko who we'll will. Freedom costs yes. a bucko
1: five. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's, like, it's so dumb. Oh, uh, and the fact that it's just like marionettes uh Wandering around yeah. like the Washington Monument and stuff. It's just so ludicrous. It's just so ludicrous. Well,
1: I mean, I don't know how this plays to an audience that didn't grow up watching like Thunderbirds on UHF stations or whatever. Yeah, because it's definitely playing to that aesthetic um, with the marionettes. There's when you when you know what you're really in for early on in the movie when um, Team America, whatever bombs on into wherever they're going and there's a bunch of generic terrorists and there's a fight scene and all they do is just shake the marionettes next to each
2: other (laughs) I love the fact too that every time they show the the terrorist quote unquote the the total cliche Middle Eastern it's always they play that same just cliche oh this is the Middle Eastern cue (laughs) it's like oh they've nailed this thing remember reading an article with them though they're like yeah we thought it'd be funny to do this with puppets but then when we actually made it we thought this is the worst way to make a movie ever they just <laughs> hated it they hated every minute of it it's so funny to
1: me yeah the uh you know the i guess spoilers for team Way america if you care but um the the main thesis of the movie ends up being that the world can be divided into dicks pussies and assholes yeah and that you know Team America may be dicks, but sometimes uh, the world needs a dick. Um, It's also important uh, to
0: remember this is, like, reaction to post-9-11
3: America, fuck yeah. In
0: fact, actually, the idea that the alt-right sort of Reddit crowd embraced America, fuck yeah, comes from this movie.
1: Yeah, which is shocking. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. But, uh... But everything. Oh, ab- and that was one of the reasons why I wasn't I wasn't drawn to the movie at the time. It was like I was just so irritated and tired of the whole war on terror terror thing that even though I knew this was going to be a send up, I also knew it was one of those equal opportunity send ups that doesn't really put the screws to anybody in particular, but it tries to be like I'm above all of it, which is very, you know, Trey Parker, Matt Stone. Yeah. And I just wasn't having it. I I kind of wanted the war on terror to be utterly discredited. So yeah. I wasn't yeah. in the mood. Well, their, their whole bag is Book more... Book of moron. Yeah.
2: Their whole bag is, like you say, just more just equal opportunity on all sides. And I think that's just the satire voice that works best for them. Because uh, mm-hmm. if, if, I think for them, if you actually pick a side, then some of the other humor kind of loses its bite as well. I don't really know how they approach it but that always seems to me the way they do it it's like toe that middle line so that everybody's a target uh because otherwise nobody <laughs> you know, is
0: I, I i think of okay the daily show like the original daily show the john stewart daily show they weren't really picking a side despite what the right might think they would make fun of anything that was ridiculous but then you get like oh what was that that utterly forgettable movie with Chris Farley's brother made by one of the Zuckers that was sort of a right-wing American uh,
1: Christmas, American Christmas. Yeah. uh, American Carol. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it was like decidedly a right-wing, you know, attempt at funniness, but because it had such a strong agenda, it was just not funny. It's like Mm. you, you, you kind of have to, just you know not laugh at the shit that's on your enemy side you have to laugh at what's actually ridiculous yeah
2: yeah well and this one cranks it up to 12 on the ridiculous scale i like that my favorite joke in the whole thing is they keep bagging on matt damon for no other reason than they
1: just wanted someone to go
2: matt damon (laughs) it's like what what do you have against matt damon they don't ever explain it
1: So this whole time you've been doing that Matt Damon thing, like for three and a half years of the yeah, podcast and, you, and I didn't have the reference. Yeah.
2: Well now you know. So, so yeah. Now I know.
1: Now you're, uh, you're you're
2: you're Chris and Eric Glossary. Shut up, Alec Baldwin. <laughs> yeah, the other thing my wife and I always do, uh it's like our code for just watch out. We always go, Durka, Durka, Durka. <laughs> <laughs> like raise our hands <laughs> it's like still to this day i can't believe we do it but yeah so so anyway fun.
1: that's 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 what i got what well, you got eric
0: um well on the strength of the how did this get made podcast i watched american Nin- no not american ninja 3 the domination
3: Ooh, is, which is okay.
0: uh an evil ninja attempts to avenge his death from beyond the grave by possessing the woman who is in the um, break-in movies. This is a Golan Globus film.
2: Does, uh, does Frank O'Neill star in that one? No, he does not. Okay. I think um, you're
0: gonna enter the ninja.
2: Never mind.
0: Yeah. No, this is
2: uh, uh, Video uh, Lucinda Dickey. Ladies
1: and gentlemen, dropping <laughs> references to shit that no one understands. Hey, we get it. That's all that's important.
0: Yeah. No, this is uh, Lucinda Dickey, who was in the, uh, you know, the Breaking and Breaking 2 Electric Boogaloo. And I guess she was a canon contract girl because she's in this as well. Um, But you got to listen to the How Did This Get Made podcast Mm -hmm. episode for Ninja 3. And at first you go, oh, God, shut up. I'm not watching that. And then you realize there is sort of a Golan Globus, which was hateful in the 80s is now you can look back at it with a sense of humor um (laughs) and this is one of the best ones for that i mean it is just if if this was done with proper effects it would be far too gory but because it's so silly yeah it's great.
2: Well, I love it because she's you- possessed and she's killing off all of the ninjas, assassins. It's sort of like a weird take on "I spit on your grave," almost. Yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah, it's a weird concept.
0: And there's a whole weird sex scene where she pours V8 on on herself, and it's like, oh, oh, oh. oh hot. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so hot. Why? What? what? <laughs> Who? Um, amazing. Yeah. Uh, other, oh, yeah, and I watched we uh, oh, yeah. uh, before
1: you move on, okay. uh, if we're still talking about Golan Globus, at least did you have you ever seen the documentary that's just about the Golan Globus films? Yes, oh, totally.
0: We talked about it like a year ago,
1: yeah, did we? Okay, great. Yeah. go find that episode, cause, yeah. yeah. and just watch that movie because then you get to see all of like the the best cuts uh, from all of the Canon movies, and they don't cut out the the nudity or the violence, yeah. so, you know, and, and, and,
2: and speaking of Gatshuri, they are the kings of going into like con with a poster and just going, this is the movie. <laughs> and then people would throw money at him and then they would go make this movie around the poster. <laughs> I mean, that's like their, their modus operandi. <laughs> so, right.
0: Yeah. And, and I think like, like in the middle of all this schlock, they produced a Zeffirelli film. That's like one of his best. And they just threw money at him. They were like, do whatever you want because we know mm-hmm. it's going to be awesome. So these are guys who, like, loved film, but at the same time, knew business. So it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a great documentary, yeah. but uh, Ninja um, 3. Right, and else? I w- watched uh, the second season of Homecoming, which is not as good as the first season. Uh, I don't think they're going to make another one. Uh, <laughs> meh. Just meh. meh. Some, some ideas are one season long and just stop.
1: There's a lot of shows like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah.
0: It's, yeah, it, it's, uh, I, I, I think Fargo has the right idea. If you're going to have a series, come up with a whole new thing.
2: Yeah. I like, I like those types of shows where they have a concept that you can mutate to some other thing and, and yeah. kind of retain the yeah. core, but still make it that much different. Because every yeah, an it's anthology. A, yeah. Right. It's a
0: series based on a theme, not a series based on characters or a situation. That's, that's what I think works, in my humble goddamn opinion.
1: Well, I mean, you can do it if you're willing to take wild turns. Like, like you know, I've been, I'm have down to the last episode of Future Man, but they do that. Each season is kind of its own arc. Yeah, I'm, own on, thing. Right.
2: I'm on second season of that right now, and it's, I'm not digging it. But I'm gonna slog through. It's and hope it It's not as good, better.
1: but the third season's great.
2: Like the second season, of Future Man seems a lot like they're way too much following the Star Wars motif, where the second one is all this, the group is splintered and they're all having their various adventures before they get back together. That's what it feels like. So okay, so it that's felt like their budget uh, got cut. But anyway, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, and this is the one with that singer you mentioned, and yeah, she's in it oh, a lot. Oh, Janelle so, Monae. Yeah, yeah. Who I had never heard of. Really? Uh, she go listen to her music. And now again. I'm like, she's yeah, pretty awesome. Good. Actually, yeah. she did. She did a cover of uh, uh, Goldfinger yeah. for some some event, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Pull out the Bond music.
2: Go. Yeah, she's, a, she's a good performer. I think she does a lot of work or had done a lot of work with like uh, uh, Andre 3000 and such. Mm-hmm, that and like, makes sense. And, and Outkast because I think she's from the Atlanta area so she's got connections yeah. there. But uh, yeah I would recommend just checking her catalog. I can't complain about it. I gotta keep my balance and just keep dancing on it. We getting funky on the scene and you know about it. Like a star on the screen watch me tip all on it. the baby
0: right so that's the end of the fresh shit
3: fresh
2: fresh
0: fresh. let's get to the Robocopin. bam uh so here's here's something i wanted to start with because this is kind of this is why i wanted to get into this the word nolanize have you heard this word
3: no because it means no? pretty
0: much what you think taking something that's campy and silly and wacky and giving it a an an over sense of seriousness oh. like Christopher Nolan gave Batman. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes out of the Batman begins thing where you take something that was silly and then you treat it like it will look in the real world. Okay. Which really worked well, I think for his Batman movies doesn't work so well for everything. No. I think that's, that's, and, 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 and that's what brings us to Robocop. Because they tried to nolanize Robocop in two thousand fourteen with mixed results it didn't
1: yeah <laughs> that's the problem. I, I sat through the two thousand and fourteen Robocop for the show last night, having mm-hmm. not wanting really having any interest in it. What shocked me about it I mean, yeah, okay, I get what you're saying about nolanizing it. but what shocked me about it was how First of all tonally it just hasn't got anything to do with the tone or theme of RoboCop. Nope. Right. And and of course everything is personalized in a yeah. way that it isn't well, necessarily. It, here's anyway, Well, let's let's start from it. Yeah. let's
0: begin from the beginning. Uh, RoboCop is a film from 1987 that is about a police officer who's killed in the line of duty but brought back with a cybernetic body. And is effectively the property of the company that makes him,
2: who owned the police. And, basically,
0: and it was at yeah, it was at a time when there were a lot of direct-to-video movies, and there was just a lot of silliness, a lot of junky schlocky 1987.
1: movies. Eighty-seven.
0: Yeah, this was not the, yeah, and this was a concept that was as schlocky as anything else. But out of nowhere, Paul Verhoeven makes this classic, this film that. It looks great. It has a awesome cast, and best of all, it it moves like a dream. There is no fat on this film. It is probably
1: slick. It's
2: totally
0: probably the perfect action film.
2: He's and he's there's. I don't know if it's because he's Dutch uh, or if it's because he studied math, uh, but he's very intricate with his construction of this, and it is compact mm -hmm. from start to finish. Yeah,
0: when he when he is on his game shit shit goes well i still think starship troopers is one of the best uh military movies ever made well
2: and it's the same kind of flavor as well yeah uh which is funny and even total recall has some of that too which is funny because robocop total recall
1: is the best well he had never he had never done a
2: sci-fi flick before this uh and then he almost said, no, I'm not going to do it. I think you read the script first and chucked it in the bin. And then his wife fished it out and said, no, no, you got to read this. This is what's going on. Yeah. And then he said, oh, okay, I can envision this now. And yeah, because
0: whoever wrote it also, I think, understood this is a dumb premise. It's a dumb concept. I mean, this is a heart big man, successful franchise machine, now. <laughs> all, all cop. cop.
1: Yeah. That, was, yeah. that was the standee at the movie theater it was it was just so dumb yeah, yeah. i mean right. like
0: imagine somebody came up with you know horse chef or like something like equally <laughs> dumb but then wrote something genius that's what this was you know nobody <laughs> yeah well, they, they were basically saying here's the dumbass movie that you you always say you want here fucking robot cop yay it's something something that would be a joke on the simpsons and then it's actually good
1: and I think that has to be attributed to Verhoeven, right? Because what what's on the page, with the exception of like all of the little fake commercials and stuff, which I don't know if those were on, in the original script or what, but what's on the page isn't necessarily any better than the 2014 Robocop. It could easily have been one of those direct-to-video things, but what you get is this subversive, mm-hmm. tongue-in-cheek, incredibly well-crafted film that propels you from scene to scene to scene, that, that wasn't the script. That was very home. Yeah. Well, and it, that,
0: that had to be because RoboCop 2 uh, tried to do that. Yeah. And it wasn't as successful, you yeah. know? They, they Somehow someone thought, well, subversiveness is now commercial. And so they tried to do it well, without feeling it.
2: That's what kills me about all the other iterations of RoboCop after this first one, is that the first one was literally... Uh, Presented as just your your popcorny action flick, like everything else of the day, but it actually subverted everything and made it something wholly new. It's like they just mm. totally ignored all of that, which was what makes RoboCop as a movie work, and then just went right. and made just a schlocky action veneer and really nothing else. And it just it, you can you can tell that something is missing. And <laughs> by the time I got to the remake on this little journey this week, I realized like they didn't remake RoboCop as much as they remade RoboCop RoboCop
0: two. 2. Yes. And I'm like, that's, <laughs> that was another thing I was going to get to everything in the new RoboCop is the sort of humanistic story that they tried to do and then forgot about yeah. in RoboCop two, <sighs> where he's concerned with his wife and his old family. Yeah. Uh, and, and in fact, the movie starts with the RoboCop two, and RoboCop is now trying, you know, is brought on so that they can sell the RoboCop 2. In yeah. the other one, it's RoboCop 2 is sent in to replace RoboCop.
2: Yeah.
1: So, uh, to some degree, I think, you know, uh, the other thing that really hampers all of this other stuff is this was yet another attempt to take a, an adults-only property. RoboCop was rated X, when it was first submitted to the MPAA yeah. uh, for too much violence, this is a violent ass movie. And it also basically says, you know, the, the cops are on the take and the government is corrupt and the corporations are even worse and everything's kind of going to hell. Um, but then it was like, but kids really like this and we want to sell toys. So for the, you know, the, and there's been a number of instances of this, right? Like, you know, the, Deadpool being marketed to kids, or there were Game of Thrones action figures at the Walgreens. You know, yeah. were so, they nude? <laughs> I, I mean, if they're yeah. gonna be action Game of Thrones style, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, this this feels like you know everything from the first one forward is like okay, well, if we take out all the blood, right. um, yeah. we can have RoboCop for kids,
3: yeah.
2: Which again, it's yeah. just the just neuters the entire concept of the first one. Because I think when, when Verhoeven came on board, he already knew that he wanted to make it so over the top uh, because he, I think he inherently understood that it was just ridiculous uh, and wanted to push it. But I think at some point they actually tried a serious version of the script. Uh, I don't know if that was because like, Orion pushed him to it or, or they were just seeing what that would be like and they realized pretty quickly that that wasn't going to fly and then they went right back to the just that Hardcore satire.
1: Uh, yeah. well, and they, just and just they, they hired the up. guy who did the makeup effects for the thing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Was it, is it botten or Botine? How do you pronounce Bo- his name? Botine. Botine. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They got him, and and boy, does he deliver some grotesque and yeah. violent shit. Well, there's him, and I
0: like I like how uh, they they display it in different ways too. Like when it's done with these bad guys, it's funny. When it's done with Murphy, it's heartbreaking. I mean, it's not like it's mindless violence. It's actually very specifically minded violence, if you think about it.
2: Well, I love that Verhoeven's on record saying that he saw this as just a movie about American Jesus. And so Murphy getting uh, eviscerated by the gang, that's his uh, crucifixion. Uh, Then he's got his resurrection. uh, And then he's like, so basically in, in the Bible, Jesus effectively becomes sort of the Che Guevara type character. Uh, towards the end of his life. And so that's kind of how he saw it. And if you watch the movie from that, you're like, holy shit. Because you can see all of the choices they made. Because by the end, when Murphy's at the steel mill and he's walking across that pond, it's like he's literally walking on he's water. He's walking on water. <laughs> I'm, like, oh. yeah. I'm like, that's not by accident. But when you were like 16 <laughs> watching this thing, you don't really pick that up. You're just like, yeah, kill shit. Blah, blow it up. Uh, but the more I watch it, the more I'm like, oh, good on you, Beethoven. Good on you. Yeah.
0: So then we got, so, so basically it's a film that's in service of a higher point, but it's not something meant to be taken seriously. It's not, it's not supposed to be realism. Well, there's then then the remake where they say, you know what, let's push the realism. Yeah. Let's, (laughs) let's, let's treat this as an actual character. And we will be discussing the sort of what the, 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 the techno invasion of our privacy, that thing that we all like. To worry about as white people, but we're 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 going to do it with this RoboCop thing. And in RoboCop, I think it's you know it's about the job, and the remake it's about the person, which is the less interesting of the yeah. two. I, I actually watched Robo the remake, and I was like, it would have been more interesting if he hadn't been a cop in the first place. If he had just been some dude,
2: yeah. Mm. It's just, yeah, the, the whole package is really flat-footed and uninteresting. It's just, you don't, so, ca- you don't yeah. really care for me. It's the, a like, drama. Yeah. It's a
0: drama that happens to have some action scenes. Yeah. It's not an action movie.
2: Which is weird, because the same year, 2014, Ex Machina also came out, and that is a much more interesting mm-hmm. uh, movie about robots and whether or not a machine can be human and that sort of thing. So it's
1: yeah. it's a weird thing but like RoboCop the remake just falls flat for me. So one of the things about the remake that really if it's about the character, right? Like one of the things that I I and I admit that I didn't actually go back and rewatch the original in time for the show. Um but my memory of it is and check check my check me on this. My memory of it is that there's a really moving scene where uh, Murphy is trying to remember who he is and he goes back to his old house, which is now vacant, and is kind of through memories sort of seeing the ghosts of his previous life and, and sort of going, oh crap, uh, everything I've lost. What, who am I? What have I become? Yeah. Right. Whereas I think in... that was,
0: t- yeah, I know that's right. That's one. And then two, he keeps driving by his wife's house. Yeah.
1: Okay. Becomes, it's like, yeah, some... I don't remember. Yeah, any of that from two. In, but, in
2: RoboCop two, it's like Superman Returns. He just becomes like this Uber stalker. Uh,
1: but in the remake, he never forgets who he is. No, and he goes back to his wife, and his wife like cuddles up to his titanium shell. Yeah, you know, and it's. I'm like, huh? That's that's not what happens in RoboCop as I recall. But okay.
2: No. You know. Well, again, it's yeah.
1: they remade RoboCop
2: two rather than the first one, really. So it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay it's it, that's one reason it's, it's flat but in the because f- in again the first- if you're
0: trying to if you're trying to nolanize this it, 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 take the original robocop and a guy just shows up not a guy a robot shows up and it sounds just like that detective who was killed a few months ago someone's going to figure it out so <laughs> yeah. they have to write it into the story that no 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 this is all sort of life support and yeah you know he's he's back
2: well the the sequence that brian is talking about uh, where his, his latent memories start creeping back in uh, to his programming. That, to me, that's always a very jarring scene because you've got Weller in the suit doing his uh, herky-jerky movements and really owning the physicality of what that would be like, I think. And it really sells it. But up to that point, he's just the blank slate robot cop uh, but that's when they actually start interjecting. It's like, well, you can put a human being in the machine, but at some point, the human being is probably going to take over because it's, you, would, you have well, to completely yeah. kill the human in order to make it machine. So and, it's like that weird, weird toe line they're trying to do.
1: And that's kind of the opposite of what, you know, what happens in the remake. In the remake, it's like they've got these robots that police every place but America— and, uh, in order to, to get it to be legal in America, they, they decide to say, well, there's a consciousness in there. So they're deliberately trying to make the machine more human. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's sort of the, inverse. as a loophole.
0: The truth right. is they, they don't want a human in the suit. They want to still control everything. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it, it there's a fu- I, th- I thought a funny moment, well, funny, like bad movie, funny moment <laughs> where they actually say, somehow he's overriding our commands. It's like they have to actually say that <laughs> because otherwise we don't care. We don't yeah. know. And in, in the original, as you say, they actually show it. They show yeah. him remembering his life. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I think that where the first one succeeds admirably and very successfully uh, is that it's not just a story about the man overcoming the machine, but it's also just like they, they borrowed very heavily from judge dread. I mean, it's literally mega city one out there in Detroit for the setting Mm -hmm. and everything is just sucks. I mean, they don't hold back. I mean, every, even the entertainment, like everybody's watching that stupid sitcom with the guy going, I'd buy that for a dollar. And they're laughing at it. I'm like, it's literally saying everybody, is a fucking moron, and that's why we're in this mess we're in here. I mean, it's, they, don't, they don't hold back, and it just sort of flows through from there. And so that's why you get gangs in the street. That's why you get avaricious corporations who basically buy the city, ramp up the crime so they can buy the cops to stop the crime that they ramped, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And it's just it's astounding to also- me because – yeah. Go
0: ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, you were in the middle of a thing.
2: I was going to say, it's just astounding to me because it, it predates uh, Wall Street, Uh, by like a year but i think it nails perfectly what wall street sort of ran with and became like the emblematic 80s movie i think robocop has a lot of that going for it
0: well that's what i was going to say is that it's also important to remember that this is a product of the reagan era the Mm -hmm. beginning of the you know the the corporate me generation and they were kind of showing this is what it's going to be like now because of all this this horseshit Because of all this stuff that you think is important. This is this is your future. Yeah. And They're that's another thing. It was set.
1: Privatize the city. And- yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it was set in the near future, but right. they were very upfront about the future. And this is, you know. Yeah. So when you get to the remake, that remake is the future. Yeah. Kinda. Kinda.
1: But- yeah. I it's a like, very
0: recognizable future, you know? It's like you can empathize with it. It's not so silly and out there yeah. that you don't see. People well, still have cell phones, even if they look better.
2: I like the uh, the story I read where Newmeyer and Miner, the guys that wrote the original, I think had this idea for uh, another sequel that might be kicking around, where it totally ignores everything after the first RoboCop, and they were going to set it at a point where murphy just gets totally obliterated in the first act of the movie and then is on ice and then comes back like 50 years or something in the future so it's an even more ridiculous future setup and then they (laughs) rebuild them and then he has to operate through there that's a much more interesting concept to me than any of these other sequels that have come out robocop Uh, that is a good idea
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So, but that way you can take this idea, this fish out of water that everybody knows the story now, and then you can give them something completely new to, to play around in. Uh, It's almost like a demolition man sort of motif, but uh, I'll dig it, you know, whatever.
3: Uh,
0: I I, I do think though, uh, going into the other RoboCops, I mean, you can see the decline, you know, but I I think RoboCop two is underrated.
1: It's got moments. I
0: really. I, it's yeah, exactly. It's got some, some good in ideas. The
1: theater and was I watched like, it with you. So Brian, disappointed. I, I didn't ever watch it again, <laughs> and yeah. wasn't interested in RoboCop three or any of the rest. And I just pretend that the first movie is the only one until yesterday when I watched the reboot. But yeah, yeah.
0: I I did not like RoboCop two when it was in the theaters. But years later, I rediscovered it, and I'm like, it's it's not bad. Uh, it's got some great stop motion work. It's got a child gangster. It's, you know, it's Mm -hmm. silly. Um, yeah, the, the third one you're right is, is a piece of shit. The TV series is crazy because they got the guy who created MacGyver to make it. And he said, I don't want the cruel violence. Oh, there's a guy who really understood the original RoboCop. (laughs) I don't want the cruel violence. This is going to be a Murphy who can think around problems, you know, like, say, MacGyver.
2: Yeah. And so... Well, I had never seen RoboCop 3 before last night, to be honest with you, because it Mm. just... By that time, I was so burnt out. Like, Orion as a studio had basically got bankrupt, and that thing sat on the shelf for, like, two years. And then mm-hmm. it finally came out, and it, it's awful. But the selling point for that, it's, it's a PG-13 RoboCop, which is already no, because uh, you know it's going to be neutered. Then you get the promise of ninjas, which they don't really, <laughs> de- they don't really deliver on in any... Reasonable way, it's a it's a total bait and switch, and you get like a RoboCop jetpack, so he's flying around, and that also (laughs) yeah, yeah. But the payoff on that one is also just so ridiculous. It's just no, none of this. (laughs) But the thing that struck me at RoboCop three, it's like all of the people that are sort of in the the tertiary roles, because Stephen Root uh, is in it, the red stapler guy from Office Space. Uh, You've got uh, Bradley Whitford as the Bob Morton suit guy. Uh, So the avaricious sort of program head. You've got Jill Hennessy, who was in Jordan's Crossing. It's like all these people showing up like, holy shit. I wonder if they put this on their resume. (laughs) That was my first thought (laughs) because it's just so dumb. But then you look at it, you're like, I can't believe that Frank Miller is the credited writer on RoboCop 2 and RoboCop 3. I mean, it's just... What in the? And hell? they didn't
0: use all of the Frank Miller stuff, and it's questionable whether it was really any better. But Frank Miller did release that comic, uh, released his, his, his idea as a comic. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's questionable whether it's really any better. It's hard to say because it's, it's, it's out there.
2: Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's just, it is what it is.
0: Frank Miller makes an, ap- an appearance in Robocop 2. Did you catch him? No. He's the guy working in the drug lab who's like, hey, we've got the new batch. I think you're going to like it. <laughs> oh, and for the
2: for the drug nuke?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so he's like, it's a little, it's got a little too much strychnine, or whatever yeah. his line is. That's, yeah, yeah, the guy in the lab coat and the glasses is Frank Miller. Yeah.
2: yeah. I always get distracted in RoboCop, too, because the guy that plays the, who basically is taking over the Clarence Boddicker role, uh, the guy that plays Kane, Uh he's also the bad guy in Manhunter, and he's one of the bad guys in uh, Last Action Hero, Tom Noonan. Yeah. Uh, and so I always get distracted. I'm like, he really just got typecast in the, <laughs> like the late 80s, <laughs> early 90s, didn't okay, he but just,
1: Poor guy. You hit on the thing that I was going to raise, uh, which is that as far as I'm aware, none of these other incarnations of RoboCop, including the most recent one that somehow has Samuel L. Jackson, Gary Oldman, and uh, Michael Keaton in it, and yet none of them have anything remotely as iconic, a villain, as Clarence Boddicker. Holy shit, was Clarence an iconic villain.
2: Well, and that gets to the whole root of why everything about the first Robocop is just genius. Because Verhoeven knew how to cast it against type so that everything is just off-kilter. Because up to that point, Kurtwood Smith as Boddicker had never really done the hardcore villain role, uh, Ronnie Cox, who was, he was always
0: the paternal good guy. Yeah. yeah. He was never a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. He was totally against
2: type. Uh, and so you you get this That's and funny then, because
1: I never I had never seen Kurt Woodsmith in anything until RoboCop. And that then, was his like, big break. You know, out, then he's yeah. like, I'm. He's the dad in that '70s show, and I'm like, <laughs> Dude, your dad is Clarence Botekker. You know?
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, I I, yeah. I remember that '70s show first for I'm like, Yeah. I'm like, Oh, that kid is yeah. toast. His dad is Clarence Botekker. <laughs> but but and then you also get Nancy Allen as Officer Lewis. Uh, and up to that point, she'd always had sort of like the sex pot femme type roles. Right. And, and Verhoeven- and Carrie. Yeah. And Verhoeven basically told her, he's like, you, you're going to cut your hair. And so they cut it really short, which at the time was not something that was really done. Uh, and they just made her very asexual because he didn't want any sort of romantic bullshit subplot to roll into this thing. It was just basically their cops. Mm. They've got that really brief scene when Murphy first shows up at the station and they've got the co-ed locker room. And it's it's really brief, uh, but he was making a point. He's like, "There's not going to be any of that bullshit romance sh- stuff going on. This is this is a hardcore movie about corporate greed and violence, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Yeah. And and they didn't weigh it down. Uh, but yeah, she they made her cut her hair and just took on a whole different persona. So everybody's playing against type in this thing. It was really weird to watch.
0: So and. Here i would like to I'd like to, to try and exercise. Can you think of other films from the day that you could improperly Nolanize today? That you could try and make a
2: realistic sort of hardcore little film shop of,
1: of horrors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: I think Nolan would do a really cool commando.
0: Oh wow. Do right? you feel like they, like, they, they try and do to that, that every few Nolanized. years with all of these <laughs> Predator remakes? That they yeah. keep trying to like up the realism on that and it keeps getting worse?
2: Yeah. Uh, I don't know, um, that's a tough one. Uh,
1: let's see, uh, three men and a baby. Let's Nolanize that. Ooh. <laughs> uh, you're trying to take something that's big and over the top and, and goofy and, and make it overly serious? Is that is that the... The idea, yeah, something
0: that required the, the camp, something that required the camp to be entertaining, and, and now we're going to remove that. Well, Raiders you know? of the Lost Ark, yeah, like okay. yeah, that, yeah, that one, yeah. <laughs> I, I I think actually that could probably use it, especially after <laughs> uh, the refrigerator, you know. Yeah. Um I don't think the refrigerator in Crystal Skull's is the worst part by the way. I think Shia LaBeouf swinging like Tarzan with monkeys is the worst part of that film. No. That's the I'll, part where I'm I with I went, you on okay, that. Okay, I'm, I'm done. with you
2: on that. No, I as a as a long-time avowed Raiders of the Lost Ark Indiana Jones fan, uh when they did the opening Paramount credits and then it dissolved into a fucking gopher mound. I literally said, oh, shit, I just wasted 10 bucks on this ticket.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You watch the making ofs of that film, and it's full of uh, George Lucas saying, well, my original idea was actually to have. And it's like a horrible idea. And then they cut to Spielberg, who's like, yeah, George wanted to do this other thing. And I finally just said, fuck it. Fine. It's full of Steven
1: Spielberg going fuck it fine yeah actually yeah. Aliens okay great um, <laughs> Ghostbusters made by Christopher Nolan um I could do <laughs> it uh, have gotten way. much <laughs> yeah that that reboot couldn't have been
0: much worse on its own yeah. I think it's yeah that's so tough. yeah let's let's remove the funny
2: hell let's just have uh, <laughs> let's just have Nolan remake RoboCop and see how that turns out fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> A silence fills. You the know room. it would be well thought uh, out. Well, <laughs> this is the other, okay, and this is the one thing I noticed rewatching RoboCop this time around, and I've seen it just dozens of times. I got to admit it. Uh, but the score by Basil Polidorus, uh it's that you know he got the anvils, and it's that sort of dun 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 dun. I'm like, oh wait, he's the guy that wrote the theme to Conan, and this is kind of like. Uh, the Anvil of Kron, now that I think about it. I'm like, oh, and now that's all I can hear. <laughs> so when the Robocop yeah. theme comes on, it just sort of matches up with the Anvil of Kron and it kills me.
0: And they used it in the remake, too, and I think it was inappropriate because, again, they weren't really making RoboCop. They were making a drama about a guy who loses his body. But um, I listened to that music in the first RoboCop, and it makes me think, this is a Western, actually. This whole thing, it's the Wild West in Detroit. There are bad guys that the sheriff has to ride in and, you know, get. Dead or Alive, You're Coming With Me, The Twirling of the Gun, this is all a modern Western.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and that's punctuated by the very end of the movie when he faces off in the boardroom and then the old man goes, Dick, you're fired! And then he shoots him because his programming lets him do it now. And then at the end, the old man's like, nice shooting, son. What's your name? Yes. Murphy. Oh oh, 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 chick! And yeah. then he, like, wanders off into the sunset. <laughs> it's like, yeah. At yeah. that point, you're like, okay, they made a Western. I got it. Okay. They, are- okay... A-
0: and I love that ending because the whole question is, is this a man or a machine? And in the end, he tells you, nope, I am a man. My name is Murphy. I've mm-hmm. defined myself.
1: So, and yeah, the, end of, I,
0: the yeah. end of RoboCop 3, he says, you know, what, you know <laughs> is that your name, Murphy? My friends call me Murphy. You can call me
2: RoboCop because yeah. I'm
0: a machine person
2: yeah (laughs) it's so dumb like yeah you've watched robo cup 3 too because it's also a product of its time early 90s and i'm like uh this would play well with like meteor man it's got that same vibe (laughs) (laughs) i'm like literally all it is and then i'm starting watching going oh shit now i could go watch johnny mnemonic because it's an awful lot like that except it's not gonna have iced tea talking to a fucking dolphin in a tank that's literally all that's Mm. missing so it's my mind like i wandered off
0: yeah, I want to Nolanize Rick and Morty. I think that would be oh. that would be a really interesting Nolanization.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, oh. and Christopher Nolan really could make that work.
1: Prom- so, guys I, I need to I need to interject, and i've been I've been sitting on this, and I kind of warned you on Slack, but boy, you farted. This is. <laughs> Okay, we are doing this podcast at the tail end of the third week of ongoing sustained protests against police violence, and I can't do a show about a movie that we all really loved at the time that is about an extremely violent cop without mm-hmm. raising that topic. Like, that is a glad little you uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. No, I'm glad you did, because I think that's another great point from the first film, is that you know, we need to subdue the people and rather than deal with the issues that came up that caused all of this chaos, we just are going to find a different way to clamp down harder. Yeah. And I think that's the problem we have now. It's the defund. The police is really about move the money to areas of the society where we can make society better so that there's less crime
1: rather than make a bigger cudgel. Demilitarize. The police is, is a, 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 way of putting that, I think that, that yeah. makes sense, and and I'm I'm very supportive of that, but I just I needed to say it because it's like, at the time, Robocop, hey, attempted rape. All right, I'm going to murder you. Uh, you yeah, know, he shoots the stick off. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, guy, guy is robbing a convenience store, and you're under arrest means I'm going to beat you unconscious and leave. Yeah, you know, and. Well, and it's it's you know it's great but again, action and, and it's it was a lot of fun but in retrospect and looking at it through the prism of today it's like wow is this a lot we were cheering on a lot of police violence here well no yeah. I, don't, I don't well if-
0: again it's that's the camp of the original RoboCop it's you you know everybody hates crime those criminals it's like well I'm gonna rip you know <laughs> rip their heads off yeah. here you go well here's the it's thing. not it's not like yeah there's not much sympathy I think though that if we had had oh god damn it that's the idea for the robocop reboot okay it's all it's all from the perspective of the street criminal who is terrified of the 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 robots (laughs) that will come for you there you go yeah if you steal a pack of gum you can do les miserables with a robot cop
1: (laughs) well here's here's, uh, this and this is where i wanted to tie it into team america world police a little bit which is in Team America, it's kind of the same thing, where it's like our ostensible good guys come in guns ablazing, no matter where they are, and do more damage than the thing they were trying to stop. And uh, I, I almost wanted to see more of that in RoboCop. <laughs> right? Well, the it's thing like, can we underline it? Well, the thing with RoboCop
2: is that up to that point, they hadn't really put out any sort of major Hollywood release where they sort of showed that this is a potential in the police forces of the world to not do the right thing. It's like it presaged a lot of the, the uptick in militarism that didn't really happen Mm -hmm. until after 2011 or uh, 2001 uh, when nine 11 hit. But you see a lot of those elements that came true, uh, which is weird to see that. I think that's what makes it really uncomfortable. But where RoboCop for me works is that, uh, it's done, like I said, with the veneer of just your average ridiculous action movie. Like you look at if you watch Cobra with Stallone, you're not going yeah, yeah, and then suddenly going oh wait maybe he shouldn't do that because uh, it's just a car because it's a cartoon. Whereas you watch RoboCop and you go yeah, yeah, and you're like oh fuck he shouldn't do that, and then it starts to spiral into their whole thematic. I think that's why it's such a fucking awesome movie is because they yeah. set it up structurally and it echoes in. Decades later, but yeah, you don't watch anything else. I don't think from that era, and just go, oh, like even Die Hard, you're like, oh well, shit, he's still murdering people left and right. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. I don't care if he's stuck in a building with terrorists or not. He probably should figure about due process,
1: maybe a little bit more. It's you know, but, you don't but, think but about apparently, that. apparently, going into the sequel, it's like, well, let's see. Uh, everybody's really into the sort of fascist, shoot first, ask questions later cop, uh, yeah. who could write that? Frank Miller! Hey, let's get him! Yeah, Yeah. yeah. anyway. <laughs> well,
2: also the thing with Robocop 2 that struck me as funny watching again, because I hadn't seen it in a while, uh, when it starts out and you've got just all the violence in the streets and the shit, the city's about to go into foreclosure, uh, etc., and then you've got the ineffectual mayor trying to swing a deal with the crooks, etc. I, I was watching him going, holy shit, this is uh, Back to the future, 2, This is like the alternate timeline Hill Valley, uh, where it's just turned into a shithole. I'm like, <laughs> can we get that crossover? <laughs> like, bring Robocop into Back to the Future 2 and then have that mashup. I think that would be pretty
1: funny. Clean up Hill Valley, yeah, uh, yeah.
0: but that'd yeah, be, that'd be tight.
1: Uh, <laughs> anyway, but I also just want to be clear to our audience yes, Black Lives Matter. And yes, RoboCop was awesome in 1987 and we're yeah. trying to reconcile this. Well,
0: I think <laughs> I think it's, yeah, I I, I would be
3: interested
0: yeah. I'd be interested to hear how you could do a RoboCop where the concept was essentially we've got a pot with water that's boiling, but all this steam keeps coming up. So, we need to put a lid on it, but there's still steam coming out. Rather than turn the flame down that's causing this Let's just get a tighter lid. You know, yeah. let's find a better way to contain that goddamn steam. Let's put yeah. a big iron. Let's weld it onto the thing, you know, and then it explodes. It's, it's like mm. the whole idea of stronger police to keep people from 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 rising up is is the wrong solution. <laughs> you have to look at what's mm. causing it, not yeah. not the enforcement. And I right. think that's the big problem right now with the cops is that it's they
2: have been looked at as a stronger and bigger wall. But what RoboCop succeeds is that it, it basically presents this sort of unflinching bitter pill, uh, and a lot of people hated it when it came out. They're like, "This is just—it's too violent. It's too over the top. It just—it's that's mm-hmm. all it is." And they didn't—I don't think and it they fucks really with my head. Yeah, I don't I think it was re-
0: the thing. It's. It was like yeah, yeah, exactly. You want it, you got it. This is what it looks like. This yeah. is what full <laughs> yeah. corporate I, automated uh, uh, police yeah. presence looks like.
2: Yeah, and it's. And I think that you wouldn't have had that had they not hired Verhoeven because they shot the script around and nobody wanted it, and probably because it was just it comes across as just your your standard actioner. But I think Verhoeven yeah. understood that if you ramp it up to its most ridiculous levels on everything. The violence, uh, the dialogue, the, the set pieces, uh, that you can come away with something that's going to be totally different and basically be a giant middle finger to the action movies of the time, because it's, it's, <laughs> which is what it is. It's
0: the, the, the term gets thrown around a lot, but this is actually a black comedy because oh, a yes. black comedy is a social satire. It takes everything... Uh, uh, you want to talk about and cranks it up to 11 and rather than saying this is a bad thing this this idea of the police like like being brutal that's a bad thing so we've made a film about how police brutality is bad and that's yeah. there's that can work this is the other side which is
2: you think police brutality is a good thing here's here you go a lot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well and i just love that they did the whole the way they've designed it it's totally 1987 uh but is not somehow But then you get into all of the minutiae, like the, I think they brought Phil Tippett in who had done like Mm -hmm. model work for, is it Star Wars? Yeah. Uh, Et cetera. He was uh, Empire Strikes Back guy. Okay. And he did a lot of the model or did the model work for the Ed 209, which is just the ineffectual two-legged tank robot. Uh, And they spent a lot, I mean, it's testament to why I think the movie works is because even that they spent a lot of time figuring out. That the design was basically going to be this is a company throwing shit tons of money at a military application and they want it to look cool before they want it to be practical. And that's what Ed 209 mm-hmm. represents. And so you get the thing where it can't even crawl down stairs uh, and things <laughs> of, of that nature. And it's like this ridiculously expensive thing that Dick Jones wants to sell to the military. And that it's, it's a real throwaway in the movie, but that really gets to the heart of things. This is what happens when corporations start getting in bed with the military. And then you wind up with people who are just doing it for the cash. And then that infects everything else. And then it rolls on downhill until you get to Clarence Boddicker and his gang, who are basically just there to fuck shit up. I mean, it's just, like, from top to bottom, yeah. this thing is just like, oh, my God. And when you're 16 watching it for the first time, as I was, I was like, I, whatever, stop blowing up. This is fun. Uh, and then subsequent viewings you're like, oh, now I've, I've learned something. God damn it. So... Yeah. <laughs> Really? So, I thought shall most we of, wrap of what it up? we learned was
1: bitches leave anyway no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> okay let's, let's end on that let's end on that what's your favorite line from RoboCop
2: mm. that's a tough you're one you're
0: coming never. with me that's my dead or,
3: favorite <laughs> dead or alive you're coming think, with me
2: yeah Ah, uh, that's yeah I think bitches leave is a good one because uh, that's very sustained for Bodger that is
0: really great <laughs> Uh, Or I also like, now give me my fucking phone call.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I think for me, the the one that always rolls through, it's, it's, I'd buy that for a dollar. Because it's literally every cliche, stupid sitcom catchphrase that gets infected into your brain over time. uh, Mm -hmm. And just makes you oblivious to anything else. I mean, it's like, that's literally all people are watching in that whole (laughs) movie. And it really makes me laugh.
1: Oh. the the line the line Damn. I want to call out is from the reboot and it's at the very end when Samuel L Jackson playing somehow Black Bill O'Reilly talks about Stop how shitty whining. the media and whist- whistleblowers are. Uh, <laughs> welcome <laughs> yeah. to the future, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, one bit of satire well, that made it into that film.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's that's good to wrap this up on. And I know we always do that. Look for us on, you know, at MagHuge.com and MagHuge Twitter and Magnificently Huge on blah, blah, blah. You know how to find us, though, right? I mean, you do. You found That's us the first now. time anybody's listening so, to this podcast. Yeah, but they're listening to it, so they must know that this is Magnificently Huge podcast, right?
2: <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure.
0: Hit that like button. Yeah. Do the, yeah. Th- do the thing. <laughs> yeah. Go to the
2: place and do the Go. thing. Yeah. Do th- yeah. yeah.